Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all here this morning. Um, if you've been with us for the past couple of months, you know that we're doing a series on grace. Last week, we were talking about being filled with the Spirit and what that meant. <clears throat> and we were looking at, and I'm going to give you a little bit of review here at the beginning, just for a minute or two. Like I told you earlier in this series, these all fit together. Um, one builds on the other. It's like a puzzle. And as we go through each week, hopefully it'll clear up a little bit for you as far as things that you may be questioning. But last week we were talking about being filled with the Spirit and what that meant, that each and every one of us is expected by God to be controlled by the Spirit each and every day. And that's really what the word filled is talking about. You're not going to get more of the Spirit. It's just a matter of giving the Spirit more of you to allow that control. If we were to say you're controlled by anger... Uh, or filled with anger, I'm sorry. If you're filled with anger, then we're basically saying you're controlled by it. And that's just another way of saying uh, that you're to be controlled by that. Now, there's two approaches. We've talked about this. Two approaches to the Christian life. Um, the one that is referred to in Scripture as the way of the law, which uh, is a Christian trying to live according to all these rules and regulations that people have put on them. Um, be it the pastor, your church, your parents, society, the people you run with, whatever. Um, but there are all of these rules and regulations. Um, when you can do this, what you can't do, what you can do, how do you dress, and so forth. And um, what God is saying is, look, the law had a purpose in a, in, a, in, in a place, but that's not what I want you to live by. What I want you to live by is the Spirit, and as the Spirit leads you and guides you, that's the other way of living the Christian life. Now, I'm not saying that there's two ways that we should do it. I'm saying that there are two ways that people fall into. And I told you before, it seems like our default method of trying to live for the Lord is by law. We try to make uh, or live by all the rules that man has made. And we think that that's going to make us holy and righteous. And what God is telling you and me is that my spirit in you is going to supply what you need. And that if you walk in obedience to the Spirit as the Spirit leads, then you will be living a righteous life. And you don't have to really worry about the rules and regulations. Now, I'm not talking or I'm not saying that there's not a place for that. And we're going to talk about that today as we try to pull this together for you, okay? So uh, hang in there with me. Last week we talked about this, how to walk in the Spirit. And I gave you four things. It's almost like a homework assignment. I don't know if you did them or not. Number one was you're to claim your identity verbally every morning. You get up every morning and you claim who you are in Christ. You're saying, okay, I may not feel it. I you know, may not think that. I may not always be in the forefront of my mind. But today, today, Lord, I'm claiming what you've told me to be true. I'm believing it. I believe that I am redeemed and I'm born again and I'm forgiven and I'm justified and I'm sanctified. All the things we've talked about that God says are true about you because of your faith in Christ, whether you feel like it or not. You get up every morning and you begin to claim it. And this is important. And we're going to talk a little bit about why it's important today. And the second thing I encouraged you to do was to yield yourself to the Lord in the control of the Spirit for that day. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what you might or might not do down the road. Don't worry about that. But today, Lord, you've given me life today, and today I yield to you. So I'm asking for your direction. I'm expecting you to direct me. 
And I'm asking, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would take over. The third thing I've basically said, that you expect the Holy Spirit to lead you. You're attuned to it. You're sensitive to it. You see, now here's the thing. You are saying, you're going to say to yourself, I don't really feel like that the Spirit of God is there or feel like the Spirit of God is leading or guiding or directing. This is where faith comes in. You are having to listen and look for something because God said it's there. You see, this is what it means to walk by faith. God said this is true. God said this is who I am. God said this is the Spirit that is in me. God said that I can do anything that He calls me to do through that Spirit. I'm the one that's got to believe it. And you don't go by your feelings. You claim it every day as a reality. And you expect God to do it. And then I said that when the Spirit prompts you or moves you or uh, leads you in some direction, that you do it, that you obey, that you don't make excuses, that you jump in there and you say, okay, Lord, I've prayed for this, I expect this, this, this is the leading of the Lord, and this is what I'm to do. And so you obey. And so that's where we were last week. Today, what I want to do is this. Now, like I said before, these kind of dovetail together. So some of the things that you hear today are repeats from last week or maybe the weeks before, but I have to do that in order to show you how this fits together, okay? But today, we're going to be talking about living in His presence. That's the name of this message, living in His presence. And this, think of it as the second half of what we talked about last week. It's the clarification, if you will, of, of fine-tuning of what we talked about last week. Let me ask you this question. If God tells us that we are to walk in the Spirit, which we are told numerous times in Scripture, what do you think is the biggest obstacle to doing that? The biggest obstacle to walking in the Spirit every day, what do you think it is? Give me a couple of answers. I'll take something. What do you got? Speak up now. I can't hear you. Your own faith. Okay, that would be one. Ronnie, what were you saying? Your own self. Whatever, Todd. Your pride. You know, you could put anything in there, anything that that might prevent you from doing it. But here, in my opinion, let me tell you the biggest issue, and that is life. Life is the biggest issue. The busyness of life is our biggest obstacle when it comes to walking in the Spirit. Because here's the problem. It's not that some gross sin is going to prevent me from walking in the Spirit. If I'm not walking with the God, then I'm going to follow all kinds of stuff. But my biggest obstacle to walking in the Spirit is the busyness of life that gets in the way. It's not that I'm doing some terrible, horrible thing. It's just that I am walking and heading in a direction and living life, and I'm basically leaving God out of it. That's, for me at least, is my biggest obstacle. Let me show you in Scripture an illustration, beautiful illustration of that very thing. It's the story of Mary and Martha, and I think everybody knows this and remembers this, but let me just read you. There's about four verses here that I want to read, and um, then I want to make some points about this, all right? It's in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, and it reads like this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. (laughs) 
she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And here's Jesus' response. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now think about this, all right? What in the world is he saying? Because here they are, they're both working, they have both invited Jesus. This is the, the home of Lazarus, whom he raised from the dead. And um, they've invited Jesus, other people. There's probably a crowd of people there. They've invited them. Mary and Martha are both in the kitchen preparing the meal. But when the Lord gets there, Mary leaves and goes. She goes in there, we'll call it the living room, okay? She goes in there, and he's sitting down, and he's teaching. And she sits there at his feet, and she listens intently until Martha becomes irate over this. And she goes in, and I'm guessing right there in front of everybody. I don't know. The text doesn't tell us. But she says, here we were working in the kitchen preparing food for everybody. This is an overwhelming task. She was helping me. Now she's come in here and she sat down here listening to what you're teaching. You need to tell her to get up and come back into the kitchen and help me because that's what we should be doing. And it almost seems like the Lord's response to her is almost rude, but it's really not. Because you have to look at it closely and realize what he's saying. I want to share with you three things. Call them lessons, if you will, in the next few minutes. Just three things out of that passage that you and I need to be aware of, okay? Number one is this. Martha was busy with good plans, but Jesus had a better plan for her for that day. All right, now think about this. Martha was busy, and there was nothing wrong with what she was doing. You see, this is what I'm talking about. The biggest obstacle in our way is life. You see, we're doing the things that seem to be right. We're doing things that we ought to do. We're doing things that Mama taught us to do. You know, Dad taught us to do. We're doing things that we, we want to be good. If we want to be good citizens and good parents and good uh, spouses and good friends and all of these things. And so we do the things that everybody else does. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when you start talking about being led of the Spirit, there are times in life in the course of your day where God's going to lead you to do something better. Now see, Martha was doing something that was good. There was nothing wrong with what she was doing. But Jesus is telling her, so now listen, you know what? What I'm doing here is better than preparing the meal. And this is where I want you to be right now. I want you to be here at my feet listening. And who knows? I mean, the, the whole conversation sure probably took up more than what's recorded here. But I would imagine it says, come sit down here and listen to what I have to say. And then when I'm done, we'll all prepare the meal. You see, there was something better that he wanted for her at that moment. And guys, let me tell you something. In the course of your day... You're going to be busy doing things that are good. That's not the issue. We all do and are, are very conscientious about doing things right. But very few times do we stop long enough to talk to God and ask Him, are we doing the right thing? 
And so, see, this is where I'm coming from. Because when we talk about walking in the Spirit and listening and being attuned to the Spirit of God, we're not... I think sometimes we think that if we're doing things right, then that's acceptable. And when I'm listening to the Spirit of God, there may be times in my life when the right thing is being missed. And God may want you doing something different, but you will never know that because you don't slow down and listen. You're not attuned, if you will, to the Spirit. Here's the second lesson out of this passage, and that is this. That we must live in His presence at all times. At all times, we live in His presence. It may be that you're at home. It may be that you're at work or at school. It may be that you're in some doing something with recreation. But always, you are living in the presence of God. The issue is, we don't always know that. We don't, we're not always aware of it. It is not always important to us. We have an uncanny ability as human beings to categorize our life. There's our church life, there's school, there's work, there's family, there's fun, there's whatever. And what we don't understand or can't seem to quite get our minds wrapped around is that God says all of these things are okay, they're good for you, but I've got to be a part of all of this. I've got to be involved in all of this. I want to lead you in when you're at school. It's not just at church that I lead you. See, we got this idea. We come to church, we do the spiritual things, the religious things, and that's when God speaks and all of this. But during the week, we just do life. And and it's as if God is saying, listen, during the week, in the middle of all of your business transactions and uh, your arguments with your spouse and trying to determine what to do with the kids and all of these things, he said, I've got to be a part of that. And I want you to live in my presence always. And so if, if we, we understand this, we begin to understand that each and every day I commit myself to live in your presence and be sensitive to your spirit and I'm going to work at this. Because I don't want to just, just do things that are right. I want to do the right thing in that moment as you lead me to. Have you ever wondered why it is that sometimes... It's almost as if something just happens that it just falls in place and you just look at that and you think, my goodness, look what God did. And I sure wasn't expecting that. We, we ought to be, you know, we ought to be. We ought to be seeking it. We ought to be expecting it every day. And that's what we're talking about here. So here's the third thing that I want to share with you. That living in his presence is a learned behavior. Think about it. This is something that you can work at and become better at because we're talking about you becoming more attuned to the Spirit of God speaking to you and speaking into your life. And the more you are conscious of this and the more you are always looking for it, the more you begin to see it. And the more you begin to see it, then the more recognizable it is to you. And so it's a learned behavior. God, see, God isn't going anywhere. When, when you're there in the kitchen like Martha was, cooking and sweating and slaving over the stove, 
God's standing there, and you know what? He wants to be a part of this. And sometimes, we, like I said, we've got this idea that the, the, those types of things God's not a part of. And living in the moment, and uh, living in his presence, you see, it is so vitally important. This is, this is what gives everything in life meaning and purpose and pleasurable and all of these things. Um, let me read you this verse. It's in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. And, and Paul is talking to this young pastor, Timothy, and he says this. He says, Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. Now, we've talked about this verse before, but he's basically telling Timothy that you can train yourself to be different. You train yourself to hear me. You train yourself to follow me. You train yourself to live a different life, to be a godly person in the way you live. And that's what he's saying. Now, get rid of, now watch this, get rid of all of the godless myths and old wives' tales and train yourself to be godly. Now, guys, listen to me. You would be amazed if you sat down and looked at it, the number of things that you believe because you've heard them that aren't true. Old wives' tales and things your mama told you that, okay, you know, we all have reasons for saying things and telling things, and some things just aren't true. The way you have to live, the way you have to dress, the way you have to act, the things you have to do, you begin to back up and you begin to look at it and you think, wait a minute, wouldn't it make more sense if I acknowledged that the God of the universe wants and desires to have a relationship with me every day and that I can begin to yield to that and be uh, sensitive to that and see that, and wouldn't it make better sense and make life more enjoyable if I could just cut through all of the junk that I've been told all of my life? and cast it aside and just say, okay, Lord, then I'm going to believe what you have told me, and I'm going to seek you each and every day, and I'm going to watch. And when you say speak, I'll speak. When you say do, I'll do. Lord, when I am prompted by your Spirit, then I will move. I will do whatever you say because I want to live in your presence. Now, the question is this, and this is a great place to bring this up, okay? Because this is, you're going to need to think about this, all right? Pastor, you've told me all about this grace. You've talked about the law and grace and how the two are, 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 are basically at opposite ends of the spectrum. Now I'm going to tell you something, and I'm going to have to clarify it, okay? So listen, rules in your life are not bad, it's okay to have rules. It's okay for you to have standards, for you to have structure, for you to have guidelines. All of that is okay. Whenever we are talking about this, we're talking, whenever Paul's talking about the law, he's talking about, okay, people taking a scripture, a commandment of God, and then writing their own guidelines to how that is to be lived out. We talked about that, you know. Uh, the Pharisees were notorious for holding strictly to the law, saying, I haven't murdered anybody, I haven't killed, I haven't stolen anything, haven't had adultery or anything like that. I have obeyed the law. Then Jesus comes along and blows it out of the water because he says, but wait a minute, are you hating somebody? Well, yeah, well, you've already murdered them. Are you lusting? Well, then, yeah, you've already committed adultery. 
Now, we, or as human beings, and especially in the Old Testament, they would take the law of God and then they would write all of these regulations, they called traditions, to tell you how to obey that law. Now, when I say you're not under the law as the Bible's teaching, he's saying you're not under all of this mess that everybody else has come up with to tell you how to live life. Okay? Then this is going to be the hardest thing that you are ever going to have to do is to finally back up and examine the reason why you do certain things or don't do certain things. And is it really part of Scripture or not? We dress the way we do, some of us, because, you know what, that's what I've been taught. I, I don't do this because that's what I've been taught. I do whatever. You can just fill in the blank because that's what I've always been told. I had a pastor one time that taught me I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't uh, ever go into a, a bar. Okay, well, is that really biblical? What if, what if the Spirit of God said to you, you need to go in there and talk to this person. I had to do that one time in Florida. I've told you the story of that. A friend of mine came, and, and they were rough as could be, came right out of Chicago, the bar scenes in Chicago, and they had just come to the Lord. They had a big fight, he and his wife. He comes to my house and says, she's at the bar. You need to go get her. I said, oh, Okay. Well, I do. I go in there. Here she is with her sister and some other girls are sitting there. They're just drinking and talking and having a good time laughing up. Can you imagine what a big wet blanket it was when the pastor comes in and sits down beside you? You know? But in that situation, you know, this is what I felt like the Lord wanted me to do. But so the point is this. We are notorious for living by rules, some of which are just bogus. But it's not wrong for me to establish rules, guidelines, and regulations for my own life based on two things, okay? These two things have to be true. And here they are. Number one, the rules that you have for yourself must be spirit-led. God led you to do it. God led you to conclude that this is what you need to do. I've told you this before. You take a guy that's struggling with alcoholism, and for him to, as the Spirit begins to work in him, for the Spirit of God to say to him, you cannot ever drink wine. You go to somebody's house and you sit down and they offer you wine, you have got to politely say no, because you cannot handle it. For me to come to that conclusion then, as a person who struggles with that, to say, okay, I can't do that. Now, I'm not saying I struggle. Let me clarify that, okay? I'm not an I'm not a, 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 a alcoholic, so don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But if I were that person, and for me to come to the conclusion that that's the way God is leading me, then, guys, that is perfectly all right. For him to establish a rule for his life that guides him in situations like that. Same thing with a drug, a drug addiction, um, a food addiction, sexual addiction. Sometimes these people have to have hard and fast rules that God has laid upon their hearts to say, you just have got to have a very clear black and white line in the sand here, and you can't do this. Later on, as you grow and mature, maybe that'll change. But right now, this is what you've got to do. Guys, there's nothing wrong with that. 
So when I talk to you about, well, you're somebody living under the law and under the Spirit, it's perfectly okay under the Spirit's leadership and guidance to establish some rules and regulations for yourself. And, and you, you need to understand that it's okay. Now let me show you a couple of scriptures and, and it kind of address this, okay? 1 Corinthians 15.10, Paul said this. Now he's talking about um, to the Corinthian people about other apostles. He's comparing himself to other apostles. I mean, there's a whole context to this, but let me read you the verse. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. In other words, his grace has brought about a change in me. And he says, no. He says, I worked harder than all of them, talking about the other apostles, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Now, like I said, there's a context to this, and I'm not going to take the time, but he's saying, look, the other apostles have done their thing, and sometimes we don't see things eye to eye. But you know what? I am what I am as God has led me to be. And I have worked to get here. All you've got to do is look at the life of of the Apostle Paul and you're going to see a man who was very strict on himself. The Spirit of God said to him, Paul, you've got to do this and you've got to go here and you've got to do such. And he always adhered to that and he had guidelines for himself. There was a place in Scripture where Paul says, I am always having to buffet myself, my body, to keep it in subjection to what God wants. In other words, I've got to, I've got to be very strict with myself. And so for him to have guidelines was not contrary to walking in the Spirit. The Spirit had led him to do it. And the Spirit guided him to do it, and he did it, and there's nothing wrong with that. See, you need to hear this because when we talk about grace, when we talk about walking in the Spirit, we get this idea that somehow it's this, you know, la, 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 you know, we're up in the clouds here and we're just floating along and not doing anything. And that's not the case. We're being led of the Spirit to pattern our lives the way that God would have us to. 1 Corinthians 6, 12, listen to this verse. This is Paul talking to the Corinthians. He says, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. Now, think about this in relation to what we're talking about. Because Paul is, you know, the Corinthians are saying, I have, as a Christian, I have the right to do such and such. He said, that's true. He said, I'm not telling you don't have the right, the freedom... I'm telling you this, is it beneficial? Is it mastering you or are you mastering it? Does it control you in a negative way? If so, then drop it. See, these are guidelines. You don't misunderstand. He's saying, if this is beneficial for you as a Christian, you have the freedom to do it in Christ and as the Spirit leads. But if this is not good for you, then drop it. There's a lot of things that fall into that category as Christians. Things that just aren't in the Scripture, but things you begin to question, maybe I should, maybe I shouldn't. Well, if it's not good for you, then don't do it. He's saying that's okay to have that, draw that line in the sand for yourself. And so you do that. Um, here's another one. I'm going to move quickly here, okay? In Romans chapter 14, verse 23. 
He says, but whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat, because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Now, you're familiar with this passage. In the context, here's what was happening in Corinth, uh, or was in, in Rome, okay? He was dealing with the situation they had. Pagan temples were taking meat, offering it up to pagan idols, and then taking this perfectly good side of beef or whatever it was they used down to the marketplace and selling it. Christians were coming, becoming aware of this. Look, this was meat that had been offered to demons. What if I eat it? You know what? We ask the same things today. We really do. We will run from things like that so fast to make your head spin. And we should. Paul said, now listen. He said, it's just meat. Just meat. That's all it is. You didn't worship the idol. You're just eating the meat. He said, if you want to eat it, then eat it. Freedom. But if you can't do it in faith, that it's okay for you, then don't do it. Parameters. He says, because whatever you do, now this is important, listen to this. Whatever you do as a Christian, you've got to have complete faith that it's all right with the Lord. You see, when the Spirit of God leads you and says, you know what, this, it's okay, then you have freedom. When the Spirit of God, or, or not even if he says, what, let's say he says no, then of course you don't. But what about the areas, and this is, this is where it boils down to, a questionable area like eating meat offered to idols, and you and your, your conscience are thinking, ooh, man, I don't know. I don't know if I should do that. Then he says, then don't do it. Because if you can't be absolutely sure that it's okay, and you go ahead and do it anyway, then you're sinning against your conscience. If God is speaking to you, then he's going to do it in your inward being. If you get into the habit of going against that, he's saying, then you're going to be, end up doing things you shouldn't do. That's, this is why he's saying you've got to be able to do it in faith, that it's okay. And so as a Christian, when it comes to those areas where you just feel a little guilty, you need to take some time and figure out why. Is this a sinful thing or is it not? Look at the scriptures. Talk to some friends. Get some guidance. It may be that you're feeling guilty because you were told that from the pulpit all of your childhood. But it's really not sinful. You're going to have to make the decision. Do I do it or not? And what Paul's guideline here is, he's saying, look, if it's a questionable thing in your heart and you don't feel comfortable, then back off. See, those are guidelines. Everything begins with the moving of the Spirit in your heart. When God's Spirit moves, then you and I respond in accord to that. Here's a second guideline when it comes to plans or, or regulations or rules or whatever in your, your own life. Here's the second one, okay? You ready? That whatever plan you make, you don't impose your rules or standards on other people. And here's where we make our mistake most of the time. 
Like I told you that illustration last week about deer hunting. You know, my friend Don, his question was, wait a minute, if it's a sin for me to do it, then why is it okay for you to do it? All right, it's a good question. But what he's trying to do is this. He's taking something that he couldn't feel comfortable doing, that he felt guilty about. It wasn't a sinful practice anyway. It was a questionable area. He's taking his guilt and imposing it on me. If it's wrong for me, that's what I feel, then it's got to be wrong for everybody else. You know that in a, in a church among Christians, that happens so many times. We make rules for each other. Whether, whether you want it or not, somebody's always there to make a rule for you. And so this is the second guideline here, that you don't impose your rules or standards on other people. You've got to understand that God can lead me in a way that is different from you, and we've got to be comfortable with that. See, this is so important. Look at this verse in chapter Romans, uh, chapter 14, verse 4. It says this, Who are you to judge someone else's servant to their own master? Servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. Who are you to be judging me as I stand before God, or vice versa? If we're talking about a sinful thing mentioned in the Scripture, we've got clear-cut reasons for, for judging. That's okay. But if not, then we've got to back off, and we've got to let God be God in the life of that person. And let the Spirit lead that person. So this is so important. You see, grace is not the absence of rules or standards or commitments. It's not the absence of those things. It just means that they've got to be Spirit-led, things that God has led you to do, and that you don't impose them on somebody else. It's a personal decision or personal practice. Very quickly, okay, before I bring this to a close, let me give you illustrations that help you understand, all right? Here's an, here's an illustration. Let's look in Scripture. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Well, what does that mean? If you sit still long enough, somebody will tell you what it means. Somebody will do it in your life. They'll tell you, well, it means you shouldn't do this. You shouldn't, you shouldn't wear shorts in church. Ooh. You, because that's not worthy of the gospel. Well, you know what? Who made that rule? Who decided that? Whether you do or don't is, is irrelevant. Is it's that it's how God leads you to do? It could go on and on. Anything that, that you like or dislike becomes the standard for everybody. But the point is, as a Christian, I look at this and I say to myself, okay, God, then to me, in my heart, I need you to show me what is worthy of the gospel in my life. But Lord, for me, if I wear shorts, it may offend everybody because of my legs. <laughs> you know, so we don't do that. But... For everybody else, it's fine. We've, just, we've got to be okay with the Spirit leading us in different ways. Here's another example, another situation. It says in 1 Peter 2.2, Like newborn babes, um, crave pure spiritual milk so that you may uh, grow up in your salvation. Now he's talking about reading the Scriptures. 
Like newborn babies, you crave the milk of the word so that you can grow up and mature as a Christian in your salvation. All right, so when, what, how? I mean, all these questions arise, and you've always got somebody telling you it needs to be done at this time, this way, and this much, and so on. Well, this is something that you have to decide between you and the Lord, and this is where you're seeking now. You're seeking the Lord. Lord, I know from Scripture, because it tells me, that I need to be in the Word of God. But Lord, with my schedule, my personality, my abilities, show me how to do it. For me. And it may be that God says, okay, you've got 30 minutes at lunchtime. You can go sit in the car at work and read the scriptures or listen to a tape. That's what you do then. And don't let anybody judge you for that. Everything is different. Here's another one. I'm, I'm moving quickly here, okay? I just want to throw out situations like this. First Corinthians 16, verse 2. Here it is. On the first day of the week, uh, first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. We've talked about this before. Set aside a certain amount of money in keeping with your income. So people ask, okay, how much do I give? When do I give? How do I give? Where do I give it to? Who do I support? This, that, and the other. And you know what? There'll always be somebody to tell you what you should do. But you've got to cut through all of that. You've got to be able to say, okay, Lord, what, what do I do? What do you want me to do? Because I need to live in your presence. I need to live under the leadership of your spirit. So I've got to make a determination based on my income and what I feel the spirit of God leading me to do. And so, now watch. You feel in your heart, you've come to the conclusion after praying about it, talking to your spouse, this is what we need to do. Then you establish, and it's perfectly okay, a rule for yourself that we're committing ourselves to give X amount of dollars every week to this or that. And we're going to be faithful to do it because we have concluded that in our heart, this is what God wants us to do. And that's okay. So grace and rules can go together as long as the rules come out of the leadership of the Spirit of God in your heart. I had a pastor ask me one time, this is years ago, this is back I think when I was in seminary, talking about Spirit-led preaching. All right. And he said something to the effect, he sort of, from the church background, I can understand this from where he was coming from. He said, I don't really prepare before Sunday. He said, I really believe that the Spirit of God, if I trust Him, is going to give me the words to say. So I'll just wait till Sunday. And when I'm ready, I'll just pray and I'll get up there and just God will take over. And the Spirit will lead me to preach. I said, yeah, that, that's okay if that's what you want to do. But the question then becomes this. Is five minutes before you preach the only time the Spirit is going to speak? Can the Spirit of God not lead you to prepare on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday? It seems to me that as I look at the Bible, the Bible says for me to be ready, to always be ready. For me to study, to show myself approved. For me to be prepared. That doesn't take away from the Spirit, because you know as well as I do, if you've ever taught, if you've ever stood in the pulpit that you may have some notes, but the Spirit just takes over, but you're still prepared. So here again, okay, 
my efforts, my planning, my preparation, along with the Spirit of God, comes together to bring forth a message or a sermon or a lesson or something. That's the way I believe that it should be done. And just flying by the seat of your pants and being irresponsible and unprepared doesn't make you more spiritual. It just makes you lazy. And so you try to help people to understand that, that grace is not just floating around doing nothing. Grace is not an excuse to get out of things. Grace in the Bible is God saying, I will give you what you need. Just come. I'll do this if you just come. And so we do that. We trust Him. We walk with Him. We live in His presence. All right. I'm going to give you three things to summarize this, then we're done, okay? So here we go. Points to remember. Things that I want you to remember, okay? Number one, God doesn't work with what He finds. He works with what He brings. I've told you this numerous times. I keep repeating it because you need to understand it. God doesn't work with what He finds in your life. He doesn't come and say, man, you got this gift, you got that gift. I can really use that. God comes and He brings it. God brings whatever you are. He makes you into who you are. And whatever you're able to accomplish in this life is because of the Spirit of God in you. You need to understand that. Here's the second thing. Living in the Spirit is a personal relationship that has public consequences. When I walk in the Spirit, I'm listening to the Spirit of God. All of this is inward. It's between me and my God. It's between the Spirit of God leading and speaking and guiding and directing me. But what comes out in the way that I live, the things that I say, the people whose lives I touch, that's public. And you know it as well as I do because I'm sure that in your life this has happened. People will look at you and they will say to you or about you, that man walks with God. How do they know that? Because of what they see. Because when the Spirit of God moves in you, if you don't let it out, it's going to explode. It really will. It can't help but come out. It comes out just in your demeanor. The joy, the peace, and the things that God accomplishes through you. All of this. It may be private in the sense that it's personal between me and the Lord and not between everybody else and their rules. But when it comes out, it's public and it can be seen. And that's how you and I are to live. We make it public. We allow God to work through us and to bring it out. Here's the third and final thing. It all happens because you believe that God will do what he said. This is so important. It all happens because you believe it. You've got to believe in your identity that this thing that God has said is true about me, I believe that it's true. I may not feel like it. How many days do you get up and you don't feel forgiven? You don't feel redeemed. You don't feel like a child of God. You don't feel like a righteous person. You don't feel like any of that. And you've got to back up and you've got to claim it. And by the grace of God, I am what I am, like Paul said. And here's what I am, because this is what God has brought into my life. And this is who I am in Christ. 
I have to believe it. Because if I don't believe it, nothing's going to come out. Let me read you this verse. It's in Hebrews. Now listen carefully. It's one you all know. It's in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. And this is the writer of Hebrews, and he says this. He says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Gosh, did you see that? Now watch. He says, here's, here's faith as it plays into the Christian life. It's impossible for you and me to please God without faith. Now, that's true in salvation, but I'm looking at it now as a Christian, you and me. It is impossible for me to please God because I've got to believe that He's there directing me and guiding me, that He's present with me at all times. And I've got to believe that He's going to reward me when I earnestly seek Him. We don't believe that. You see, most of us are convinced that God speaks to you and He speaks to you and He speaks to you, but He never speaks to me. We look at our lives and we think to ourselves we're not worthy. There's this in our lives. There's that in our lives. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that you've got to take all of this junk, put it over here, and claim what God says is true. God said, I love you. Whether you clean up or not, I love you. And I will guide you because you're mine. I want the world to see you for who you really are and what I can do with you. And I want you to be an instrument. But you've got to believe it. And so many of us don't believe that God can do that in us. And so we sit here year after year watching other people. We think to ourselves, what's wrong with us? There's only one thing wrong with you. You don't believe what God has said is true. I want you to seek Him. I want you to live in His presence. I want you to believe what God has said. Claim it. Claim it. Our Heavenly Father, as we stand here this morning, Father, I am overwhelmed with the reality of Your presence. Father, I'm also overwhelmed with the reality of how weak we are. Father, how we let life get in the way of this relationship. That, Father, your Holy Spirit is right there inside of us and he never leaves. But yet we just keep quenching him. Father, may we come to understand the reality of who we really are and your love for us and realize that you're not going anywhere. And the sooner we can submit and yield ourselves to you, that you'll go to work because you're faithful and just to do so. And Father, when you go to work, life changes. Father, that's what I want to see. I want to see my life change, and I want to see the lives of all of our people change. Father, we want to be more like you. When We want people to see Jesus in us. We want what takes place privately in your presence between you and me. We want that to become visible outwardly. May lives be changed because of us yielding to you. Use us, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.